Welcome to what the if the show where we go crazy. I, I got nothing. Yeah, that's right. No, that's that's kind of where I was going to. Is yeah, that's where we where we go mad. Yeah, <laughs> but but with a purpose. And what is that purpose, sir? Um, uh, destroy the universe. Destroy. Well, the universe. no, to to teach some science, I guess, to learn some stuff. Yeah. Right. We can do both, actually. Same thing. Yeah. You might. You'll learn the 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 only thing is we hope that you learn the science prior to the destruction of the universe. Or during the process is fine. During. Right? I mean, right, med students learn about anatomy through dissection, and we uh, learn about the universe through dismantling it. That's right. It's it's an experiential uh, learning process. Yeah, no biggie. And uh, with all that silliness aside, um, if you don't know who I am, Philip Shane, a documentary filmmaker, and you, sir, are Professor Matthew Stanley from the New York University. Uh, that is true, until they figure out a way to get rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a wily one. <laughs> uh, they tried. You know, the whole pandemic thing was really just an attempt just to get into it. <laughs> uh, speaking of pandemic, we hope this finds you well. Um, we uh, have some wonderful um, letters. Letters, do we still call? I like to call them letters. I, I suppose that's. We do call them letters. We'll call them letters as long as we call films films right yeah exactly and well you know the letter they are made they are in digital form but they are words formed from letters so the oh, letters true. Yeah. let's say the letters refer to those things anyway we got the mailbag open up the mailbag i love this music <laughs> i think you're a little obsessed i'm a little upset well i'm from maryland and i'm not sure if this is technically bluegrass it sounds bluegrass-ish, and we have a lot of bluegrass in, uh, in Maryland. So, um, opening up the mailbag here, we got a wonderful uh, note. Now, by the way, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the emails we get come with, there are people submitting ideas for ifs. Well, so, good. I'm going to save those, and I'm not going to, I'm going to save those. We've gotten some great ideas. And by the way, uh, if you want to contact us, go to our website, whattheif.com. And right there on the homepage, there is a place you can um, send us a comment or ideas or suggestions or so forth. Here are some wonderful, uh, a couple couple great notes we've gotten from listeners. Um, Tom writes in. Tom is from, nah, I'm, uh, he's from Wisconsin and a town, uh, uh, I'm sure that only the people who live there pronounce it properly. Uh, and that is Okanamawak. Okay. Yep. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okanamawak, Ak uh, Wisconsin. And he says uh, that is in the Milwaukee, Waukesha area. Explaining. Um, I am an engineer. Tom says he's, uh, I'm an engineer by trade. Oh, by the way, just let me say. So Tom had sent in an idea. And then um, I, I just asked him, you know, where's i'd like to know where people are writing in from and what they think of the show and so forth so tom says uh i'm an engineer by trade that's fantastic mm -hmm. and i enjoy science space and the mixture of good information creativity and fun that your show provides keep up the good work 
Thanks nice. for Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. And a shout out to Okanomawak, Wisconsin. If I keep saying it enough, I'll, maybe I'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, one of our longest running uh, listeners, uh, most dedicated, most brilliant, um, most eloquent, mm-hmm. and uh, a multi multi-time ifer meaning that if if you submit an idea and we run with it and by the way we have our we do uh, if coming up today is also from a from a listener but uh uh, if you are if we run with your idea unless we do a show based on your idea you become a super ifer if you get multiple uh, multiple episodes done from different ideas you submit you become a super duper ifer and it goes up from there. We yeah. don't, you know, it, 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 it just gets better and better. Mega if or giga if or it just goes on and on. So, um, Bill writes in. Now, Bill sent an idea. Also, I'm saving that. It's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. As, as Tom, those are secrets. They will come up in future shows before too long. Um, but Bill also says, uh, I've been silent for a while. So, Bill, Bill keeps his powder dry, let's say. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Um, I've been silent for a while. Having made, I hope, some small contribution to the growing popularity and early success of What the If. Yes, you have indeed. Um, Bill says, as a super duper ifer, I have been relaxing and enjoying your program. I'm glad we find it. It should be relaxing. Mm-hmm, I um, hope so. I'm enjoying your program and the array of guests you have had in recent months. So thank you, by the way. And a shout out to all our recent guests. You guys are amazing. And if you have any suggestions for guests, by the way, if you're listening, and you have, mm-hmm. hey, you should have some. Yeah, send them along. So let us know. Um, Bill says, you've corralled some real scientists. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are real. They are indeed real. Um, he says, congratulations. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Bill. Actually, thank you for those lovely words, as always. And he says, unfortunately for you, I've been thinking, <laughs> dash, dash, always trouble, dot, dot, mm-hmm. dot. And there follows some awesome ideas which are going on going onto our list so thank you bill and this also comes from the mailbag but i'm gonna stop the mailbag music because it's driving you mad no no well no i'm starting i gotta get up and dance and i might just lose all focus yeah, that could be a problem our if today comes from guy in uh, New York City, I think in Brooklyn, Queens. Queens. Excuse me. Apologies. Mm-hmm. To yeah. Queens. I'm saying wrong I side of the Gowanus. Yeah. yeah, or wrong side of even McCarran Park here. I mm-hmm. uh, Queens is just a block away, so they're very close. Should I offend them? I apologize. Um, <laughs> from Brooklyn and um, big rival, big rivalries. So, um, guy writes in, "What the if?" And he actually says in his email, <laughs> he actually says, oh, he got it. What? Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wrote the email. What if, and then in parentheses, music comes on too loud. <laughs> <laughs> he predicted it. We're not saying he's psychic, but he's, he knows, he knows my skills are suspect. What the if there was no radiation or what if it was reduced by half one quarter alternatively what if it doubled 
what are the ramifications to my health and electric bill? (laughs) (laughs) Is this good for cancer rates or bad? Because many treatments rely on radiation. That's that's true. In fact, uh, I have some family members who have an entire career uh, in doing uh, treating people with uh, radiation cancer. Uh, Does the sun go dark? Oh, this is this is a great one, guy. Uh, what about my collection of uranium glass? I don't, I don't know about that. What is that? You can help us, Matt. Mm-hmm. Does Indian Point, that's a nuclear power plant near us uh, here in New York City, um, does Indian Point get closed down? The Ifers want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good description of Ifers, actually, right? People who want to know. Yeah, that's right. People want to know. People want to know. That's you. Um, so Matt, uh, here's what I love about this. And thank you, Guy, again. Guy is, Guy is also now a, a super duper ifer, perhaps. I think so. Yeah. Uh, he might be the know. first super duper ifer from Queens. Yeah. That could be. That is a challenge to all the other boroughs. Scott yeah. Island, I'm looking at you. Um, what I love about this is, is that it, 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 even our original concept for the show is the idea of what if, like a tiny what if, yeah, uh, that just has a billion ramifications. The mm-hmm. ripples, ripples run outward. So, so he says, "What if? What the if? Uh, and why do we say what the if, Matt? What instead of what, oh, what um, it uh, captures our chutzpah and outrage uh, at what we're changing about the universe. Indeed, chutzpah. Shout out to our." Jewish friends uh, who are celebrating the new year. That's right. This week. Um, a little Yiddish for you. And uh, so what the if there was no radiation? I think for my first question is to you, sir, um, just w- what is radiation? Well, so this is actually a tricky thing um, because the the umbrella term radiation is one of these things that uh, the, the term comes into use before we really understood what it was we were describing. So there's actually a whole bunch of things that fall under the umbrella term of radiation. Um, so the, the term comes into use in the late 19th century. Um, first, uh, to, uh, to make sense of two mysterious phenomena um, that turn out not to be closely related. They look like it at the time. Um, the first one was this, um, this guy named Becquerel scientist, um, has a nicely appointed experimental laboratory. Uh, and one of the things that people are doing, um, at the time is experimenting with what are called cathode ray tubes. Right. Um, Mm. so those of the people of a certain age will remember that TVs used to have, uh, this part that stuck out way in the back. Right. Yeah. Occasionally, um, by the way, because here in New York, uh, when people throw things out, it means it sits on the sidewalk for a little uh, bit until yeah. it gets picked mm-hmm. up or completely smashed and destroyed. And occasionally somebody throws out an old CRT yep. television, <laughs> which is like a giant, boy, they were like huge, basically boxes. Like yeah, that's right. Them. These big, heavy things. Um, yeah. And in, if you opened up one of those and don't, because that's actually quite dangerous to do. Uh-huh. Um, if you see a cathode ray tube, um, right. it looks like a big glass tube um, yeah. that looks empty. And it is empty, actually. It's a vacuum tube. That's kind of the whole point. And uh-huh. then there's electrodes at either end of it. 
Um, and it was found in sort of the mid late 19th century that if you set up this kind of arrangement and put a voltage across those two plates, you would get a beam of electrons that shot across. Um, and the negative terminal is called a cathode. So they're called cathode rays because they come out of the cathode. Um, and it turns out that uh, when those electrons hit the far side of the tube, um, they generate interesting things. Amongst them, what we now call X-rays. So uh, Röntgen, oh. the, ex the physicist who's experimenting with these things. Wait, your television emits X-rays? Well, so this is the thing is you can, you can get all sorts of good stuff out of that beam of electrons. <laughs> so if you want to make a television out of it, what you do is you coat the end of that tube uh, in a substance called a phosphor. Oh, and a yes. phosphor, when an electron hits it, it glows. So um, the glowing of an old-fashioned television screen came from these electrons uh, being hurtled across the, this vacuum gap and smashing into the phosphor. And that's where the glow comes from. And that stops um, an X-ray. Or well, sorry. so this is so it turns out the depending on how uh, how much voltage you put across the ah. tube, you get different things. So if you put a lot of voltage across when the electrons smash into the far side, uh, instead of giving you the fuzzy glow that lets you see leave it to beaver, um, it generates an X-ray instead. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so, uh, that Röntgen, explains the entire first generation of TV watchers who just <laughs> vanished from the earth. Uh, so one of the, so Röntgen, as you might imagine, is somewhat surprised to discover this because the way he discovers it is that all the photographic plates he had, all the photographic film in his lab was suddenly exposed one day. And he couldn't figure out why, because they had just been sitting in this dark box and then eventually figures out that his cathode ray tube is generating these invisible rays that expose uh, the photographic plate. Um, and then through a series again of, of now, in retrospect, unfortunate experiments, discovers that uh, those x-rays are stopped by human bones. So the very first x-ray we have of a human is of Mrs. Röntgen, actually, um, holding her hand over one of these photographic plates. And then you get the x-ray shadow, what we think of as an x-ray today. Wait, so um, he said, honey, put your hand in front of this thing. I want to. Yep, that's right. And I he should say this. He couldn't use his own me. hand. Oh, certainly not. No, <laughs> um, no, because he was working the cathode ray tube. Um, but this actually tells you something important about the history of experimental labs, too, is that they used to be in people's houses, right? Oh, it was, it wow. was in the basement or the attic or they took over the living room or whatnot. So, wow. uh, so the, you know, physicists were. So scientists in generally, in general, were usually men because women weren't allowed to be scientists. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, since the lab was at home, it was usually their spouses who were the lab assistants. So there's all of oh. this invisible labor done by women uh, in labs over the years uh, that they don't get credit for. Um, oh. So if we hadn't, and if we didn't have that first X-ray of Mrs. Röntgen's hand, we wouldn't know that she was helping in the lab either. But so it's not an accident that that she was the one who brought this wow. Now, did, some, did she get burned? Or? Um, no, as far as I know, she was okay. Um, All right. uh, so so these, um, these come to be called Röntgen rays, what we nowadays call X-rays. And the X is uh, an emphasis of the mysterious nature of the rays. That is, no one really understands where they come from. Um, and something that gives off rays we say gives off radiation. So you can, you can hear the, 
the the relationship of the words, right? So radiation right. is something that travels in rays. So x-rays ah, were a okay. kind of radiation, kind of the first sort of radiation. Um, so once Röntgen discovers this, everybody's experimenting with x-rays in their lab because everybody has cathode ray tubes already. So they want to figure out what other cool things you can find. Um, and then uh, this guy Becquerel, um, who has a similar lab set up to, um, uh, to Röntgen. He's got the cathode ray tube. He's got the photographic plates sitting around. And he also has a chunk of uranium um, sitting on top of as, one of his plates. Well, so, does. yeah, so uranium at the time, this is late 19th century, is a not particularly useful industrial rock. Okay. Mm. Um, it's used in a couple of things like making um, pottery glazes and certain kinds of glass. You get this nice greenish glass if you put uranium in it. Um, so it's the thing you might have sitting around, as Becquerel did. Um, and he, but he realized that because... <laughs> Because of x-rays, people are paying attention to mysterious things that happen to their photographic plates now. And he finds that when he has a chunk of uranium near one of these photographic plates, the plate gets exposed as though it was exposed to x-rays. Um, and he, he realizes fairly quickly that it actually is coming from the uranium itself. So uh, with, with yeah. the, Sometimes when you hold, I've heard, and and you, I believe, have actually held radioactive material. Anyway, I have indeed. It could be warm. Yeah, Would that's that right. It has to be pretty radioactive uh, for you to feel the warmth. And uranium is not typically, unless it's highly enriched. It's not that. It's not warm. Right. Um, so right. people, have, I should say, people have been handling uranium for centuries or millennia. Um, oh. It's not. Like I said it's not an exotic st thing. It's not that hard. To, to find. Um, oh, really? oh. It's just, it's usually in small quantities in a mineral called pitch blend, which has other industrial uses. So it's produced kind of accidentally along the way to other things. Oh. And people discovered it was useful for a couple of And years. mainly it was treated like some sort of glow in the dark. No, fun. uranium, uranium oh. doesn't glow. Um, ah. It's not, like I said, you need to, you need to have this particular lab set up to discover that there's something unusual about it. I see. I see. Oh, so um, it was put in the glass and it was put in these in pottery, not because it glowed. No, just because oh. it, it gave you a nice color. Oh, right on. There's nothing, right on. nothing special about that. Right. Um, but then, so since the uranium did the same thing that the x-rays did, um, this was a new kind of ray. So now that we have Becquerel rays, so all of these mysterious rays um, got, get put under the umbrella name of radiation. Um, and this becomes, this is the great rage of the end of the 19th century in science is finding the new mysterious ray. So along with x-rays, we have B rays and N rays and, um, not all of them are, um, substantiated and there's some great frauds and self delusions that happen at the time. Now, if I understand correctly, what you're saying is all these rays are actually just electrons moving at different well, speeds? Well, so that's the thing, is that it turns out there's a bunch of different things happening um, that all get labeled under radiation, uh, under the term radiation. So eventually they get classified in a, a more substantial way. So if you take a, a science class nowadays, probably advanced chemistry or physics, um, you'll learn about alpha, beta, and gamma radiation. And there's other mm -hmm. kinds too, but those are the, the basic ones. Um, so it turns out that things like uranium um, give off alpha rays or alpha particles, as it turns out, 
Um, and that is uh, a helium nucleus. That is sort of a couple of protons and a couple of neutrons stuck together. Mm. Um, so, uh, and so that's a big, slow particle. Um, mm. And that's, uh, so that'll do things like expose a photographic plate. But actually the particles are so big that um, they'll bounce off your skin. So they're not especially dangerous um, on their own, mm-hmm. with the important exception of if you breathe it in or eat it, because oh, oh. the inside of your body is much more sensitive. So one of the things you have to watch out for is that, say, powdered uranium or powdered plutonium in, in any kind of aerosol form is quite dangerous, because if you breathe it in, then you get radiation inside your body. And that's Ooh. Yeah. Um, so that's alpha, alpha particles. And that's what you get from stuff you dig out of the ground generally uranium radium and so on are generally alpha emitters so in general if you dig something out of the ground that's not uh vegetable (laughs) um i'd say that's a generally good just to to be safe yeah Yeah. in in general Yeah. yeah um uh but that said it takes a lot of work to get these concentrated uh into a place where the radiation is noticeable Right. So mm. you start with pitch blend and then you get uranium. And if you want the uranium to be intensive, uh, then you need to refine it further. And then, you know, Marie Curie spends years dissolving hundreds of tons of pitch blend Whoa. to get one gram of radium. Um, hundreds of tons. Yep. The, the amount of, of, of physical and industrial effort necessary to produce radioactive materials at the beginning of the 20th century is staggering. And this is all manual labor, right? There's no automated system here. She is in the lab stirring a vat of molten pitch blend uh, over a gas fire for 16 Whoa. hours a day. You know, my image of Marie Curie, Madame Curie, is... Yeah, in a lab, but like your typical sort of stock footage of scientists in a lab, speakers and stuff like that. I didn't realize. I mean, well, that's the funny thing is that that's right. To get to that little, to get to that stereotypical image of her holding that little vial of green glowing radium, um, that is the result, like I said, of of thousands of hours of manual labor. That unbelievably dirty filthy difficult dangerous work um but then you you delete all that because that's not what as you say that's not the image we have of scientists um so that's uh so that's an important part of the story that gets left out right and Um, and she she ends up getting cancer is that right she does yep um uh, radiation poisoning and cancer Mm. both Mm. probably um and she actually documents it in great detail so mm. she takes, uh, because she's handling the radioactive material, she gets the cancer in her hands and the radiation and poisoning uh, on her hands. Um, right. So she takes a series of photographs um, as she's dying to document mm. what the damage of radiation looks like. So she it's knew a, she knew it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quite a remarkable thing. Um, I should say uh, it's it, whether, you know, these, these mysterious rays are so mysterious that no one's quite sure whether they're good or bad early on, but people uh-huh. try to use them for health right away. Um, Cause there's this sense that, you know, they must, uh, these magic rays must have some kind of, of health use. Uh, so, and also there's the sense that, like I said, radium um, glows and is warm. So that suggests there's something like organic about it too. Mm. 
Um, so a friend of mine has written a wonderful book about this early history of, of radium and its connection to life um, called Radium, The Secret of Life. Uh, the author is Luis Campos, C-A-M-P-O-S. Um, as uh, documented, so it's, I should say it's, it's somewhat well known now that people tried to treat things like tuberculosis with radium. So they had people breathe in radium gas um, to help with the tuberculosis. And it turns out like that's the worst possible thing you can do with a radioactive element is to breathe it in and hold oh. it in your lungs. But you'll see I- these pictures from the early 20th century of people like in sanitariums um, with these hoses on their face Whoa. breathing in the radium gas because they thought it might help. And in fact, it's actually really bad. Wow. But, you know, I can see the impulse because... Again, if you didn't know anything, you, the sun feels like it's good for you. Right. Yep. And it's so all kinds of, um, it turns out too much sun, not so good for you. Yeah. But, but then back then, I suppose. Right. You know, so oh, because one of the, the interesting features of radiation is that it penetrates, right? X-rays go through you. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So that suggested early on um, a way to treat things like tumors that you couldn't mm-hmm. access normally or tuberculosis, right? Cause it's inside the lungs. Like, well, we'll just irradiate yeah. the person's chest and maybe that'll kill that. Um, and of course we still do a version of that today. Um, but it turns out that you need to understand the difference say between the different kinds of radiation, um, to, to figure out. Right. And it affects your skin or it affects your healthy materials as well as the yeah so this turns out to be a tricky kind of thing to to sort out um uh, but let's hear so i think we were talking about the different kinds of radiation so alpha radiation is these big particles um helium nuclei and then beta radiation is actually a stream of electrons like we were talking about before Ah. um and there are some materials that are natural beta emitters as well but that's also something we're really good at is making beta radiation uh, and then gamma radiation is uh, things like X-rays, um, but that also encompasses any form of light as well. So right now, I can I can see you because my computer is giving off gamma radiation in the form of blue light and green light and red light. Um, but that's that's a little confusing because that encompasses both really dangerous radiation like X-rays. Yeah. Um, as well as totally harmless radiation, like infrared light. So this is the problem. So the term radiation, in this general sense, encompasses big particles and small particles and slow particles and fast particles and neutrons, um, as well as just totally harmless light, as well as really dangerous laser beams. Um, So like if you say to someone, uh, I'm going to expose you to gamma rays, that probably means really dangerous radiation, but might mean they're going to shine a green light at you. Okay. <laughs> so, so whenever someone says radiation, you need to ask a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, or to just figure out what the, the hell word, is going on. Yeah, if the word "expose" comes up in any conversation, let alone "I'm going to expose you," but just yeah, that's that's right. There's caution, no good, there's caution. no good end to the, the <laughs> sentence. I'm going to expose you to. Yeah, but um, at least they warned you. Uh, there are people in New York who uh, occasionally uh, do it without warning. Um, yep, that's right. Um, so, and generally, radiation scientists do try to warn you ahead of time. Uh, that's nice. If they're going nice. to expose you to something. Yeah, they put up signs, too. And right. Um, like so so then to kind of drill down a little bit, if you'll excuse, excuse the sort of geological pun, 
Um, <laughs> when we say something like radioactivity, what we usually mean nowadays um, is a material like uranium or plutonium um, that undergoes what we call radioactive decay. Right. So uh, something that is an alpha emitter like uranium, say, that gives off these alpha particles, it's giving off those small particles because the uranium is turning into something else. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the uranium, by definition, uranium is a substance that has a certain number of protons in its nucleus, and then it has a bunch of neutrons along the way. Um, and if you make a big enough nucleus, it turns out to be unstable, and sometimes it will cough up some protons and neutrons, and that's what we recognize as alpha radiation. Um, but since it's given up some protons, it's not uranium anymore. Right. It becomes barium and... Uh... Um, it becomes a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Right. right. Um, uh, so we get these, what are called decay chains, is the, the one the uranium... Um, spits out uh, a bunch of uh, spits out one alpha particle. It then becomes thorium, and then thorium spits out another alpha particle, and that becomes radium. And that radium spits out another alpha particle, and so on down. They just get this chain of of particles until eventually it becomes lead, and it's no longer radioactive. Uh, right. So basically, it, the material keeps changing. It's sort of falling down the periodic table. Yep, that's a good way to think about it. And as it drops, it gives off energy along with that, too, which is why it's, for instance, warm or can expose a photographic plate. One big takeaway for the most, like, if if you don't know anything, uh, and I'm going to put myself in that category a little bit, uh, when I hear radiation and I hear rays, I think of things like, like you mentioned lasers, I think of beams of light rays right and um a beam of light is i think of that as a continuous just beam of light a stream of light now if you know a little bit more then you could say well there's there's photons you could think of it as a bunch of photons coming at you Mm -hmm. but it also acts as a wave of light so um but really what we're talking about here all this dangerous stuff is uh not little massless things like photons. It is uh, these electrons. Well, so it's one of the things where it depends, right? So a photon, if it's a green photon, it doesn't have Uh much energy. And you can bathe in green photons all day if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, Oh, I do, Um, yeah. uh, But then, and for instance, right now, you are bathing in infrared photons. Oh. So that's what you feel as the warmth coming out of your radiator. Is Again, it's good photons. that people, this is an audio-only program, so you don't see me in my IR bath. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but if that photon has a lot of energy, then that's an X-ray photon, um, which, is, which is quite dangerous. So you do not want to bathe in X-ray photons. That will give you a terrible burn. And if, Okay, so All this right. gets to things like, what um, is a photon? How does a photon compare to an just size-wise, photons, electrons, protons. Uh, so it turns out to get a little hazy what it means to say the size of a photon. Right. You should think of photons as very tiny. Okay. Electrons as tiny. And protons and neutrons as not as tiny. Got it. Okay. Right. Um, so protons um, and neutrons, because they're not so tiny, like I said, they'll bounce right off your skin for the most part. So you can hold a chunk of uranium in your hand. It's constantly giving off alpha particles, but it's not a big deal. Just don't mm. eat it 
and you'll mm. be okay. Right. Um, plutonium is more radioactive, meaning it gives off more alpha particles per second. So that you do feel as heat. Um, uh-huh. And this is the kind of famous story of the the person who puts the plutonium core into the first atomic bomb says it's warm. It feels like a rabbit, right? It's like uh, that, is that, that kind of body heat. Um, this guy, uh, um, uh, Kistiakowski is oh. his name. Is the guy who okay. puts it into the core. Um, but I've, like I said, I've held uranium in my hand and it's not that, it's not that exciting. Uh, <laughs> you, you have to get really, uh, highly radioactive stuff before you can feel it being weird in your hand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Um, so what if there's no, so, so, so suddenly right. all of this incredible stuff, most of which we talked about in terms of being unhealthy, sounds like, um, aside from the fact that, yeah, cancer can be treated, it's complicated, but if you could really fine tune how you're going to use that radiation, you can then tune it just to attack the cancer cells or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, everything we everything you said is, I feel like the, that, this is actually a utopia the guy has presented to us. No more radiation. Mm-hmm. I can sit in the on the beach forever. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So sorry. So if we're including alpha, beta, and gamma radiation under our no more radiation rule, then that means no more light, right? Like you said. Oh, so oh. no, no more, no more sunburns, right? That's great. But no, no, no sun at all. But no more sun at all, or any light whatsoever. <laughs> Um, so my computer screen is no longer giving off light, so I can't see you. Um, so first off, no more zoom, which I guess is the end of our 21st century civilization. Yeah. Um, yeah. but also every room is dark now. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's almost like every, but that's thinking of radiation so broadly that it's almost like, every it almost feels like the universe becomes inert that's right yeah so if i if i could make an a a a friendly amendment to the if yes let's excuse gamma radiation from this so we still have light so instead we're just talking about things like um protons and neutrons and alpha particles um coming out of unstable nuclei i think that might be that might take us further okay so so we can still see stuff we yeah. need some special, this is some special music for, we are addending, addend, <laughs> addend, with, yeah, we're, we're tweaking the if. Okay. What the if? So that, that what is it now? It's. That's right. So what if there were, let's say there was no radioactivity. No radioactivity. Right. So what we're doing there. So when we take stuff like uranium and radium and plutonium, um, we take advantage of the unstable nature of its nuclei to liberate energy for various purposes. So uh, that might be something like uh, a radiation treatment, right? If we put barium uh, next to your tumor, we're taking advantage of the fact that the radioactivity is going to go in the energy from the radioactivity is going to go into your tumor and kill the tumor. Right. Um, we also uh, put it into contrived situations like nuclear reactors and nuclear bombs 
to take advantage of that unstable radioactivity. So first off, no more nuclear bombs. So I'm not quite sure what what have we allowed? Oh, so so we're allowing light. That's that's fine, right? So we don't need to worry about everything being dark anymore. Um, But we can no longer take advantage of the unstable nuclei that generate um, particle radiation, like alpha particles. Right. So this is a this is a huge distinction, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. it may, may be a little. This subtle. is a really so, important distinction. Yeah. Right. So what you say is when you talk about light, you mean things that just emit. I, I think. Let, let me state this. I think mm-hmm. um, if I open up a tiny bit of knowledge, but just enough to be dangerous. Go for it. And probably inaccurate. Uh, are you talking about the weak force? The radiation caused by the weak force. Um, yeah. So we uh, will if you if you trap a physicist and ask them what the fundamental forces of nature are, they'll say the following. They'll say gravity, electromagnetism, the weak force, and the strong force. Right? So electromagnetism includes light. Okay? So we're saying we're not going to mess with that at all, even though that is technically a kind of radiation. Right. Um, and then the weak and strong forces uh, govern the interactions of particles. Okay, so radioactivity, what we think of as, say, uranium and plutonium, um, fall under that category of weak and strong forces. Right. So basically what we're doing now with our if is we're modifying the weak and strong forces in some extremely severe way. So nuclei no longer interact with each other the way they used to. Right. So, for instance, regular light, which comes from photons or perhaps electrons, I suppose, um, deal with stuff that just sort of flies. It's kind of the outside of the atom. The stuff yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, stuff that's, that's, it's, it's stuff that's cheap. It's really yeah. easy. to. You can have as many photons as you want. There's a photon buffet in the universe. Ooh, right. Um, so we're, so we're, we're, we're not, we're not, that's right. We're not going to mess with the photon. All you can eat photons. Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Just like in Vegas. Mm-hmm. All you can eat. And um, the, so the really, the, what we think of as the dangerous stuff or the really powerful stuff or radiation has to do with things that uh, come out of the nucleus. Yes, that's an right. Atom. And in mm-hmm. the nucleus, the strong force is what keeps the, the, uh, the nucleus together. Basically. Yeah, we, can, we, we don't need to get into the details of that, but the strong and weak forces are what either keep the nucleus together or don't. Right. 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 And so sometimes the uh, it's almost like a rubber band or something. The 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 some reason something to do with the weak force or whatever. But like particles will fly out of the nucleus, and that's a dangerous could be a dangerous thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So some nuclei are very stable. So like oxygen nuclei will just stay as they are for billions of years. They're very uninteresting. Right. Um, And then uranium nuclei are a little unstable. So they give off particles now and then. Radium right. is even more unstable, so it gives off lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we can artificially make new kinds of nuclei that are extremely unstable, like plutonium and Einsteinium and Californium. So Ooh. some of these are so unstable, like the, the, the weird end of the periodic table is all the artificial stuff we make. And the reason we don't see that in nature is because it's so unstable, it vanishes in a quarter of a second. It's that unstable. Oh, I like that. I'm going to hit you with the weird end of the periodic table. <laughs> Watch out. 
<laughs> Coming at you. Um, um, yeah, so that's what we think of as that, that's what we're messing with is we're saying that end of the periodic table, no longer unstable, no longer messy. Now you can have a pocket full of Californium that will sit there forever. Right. And so, so another way to refer, I'm going to, I'm going to further tweak it here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get real, we're going to get really in deep here. Whoa. Guy, Guy has, re- what we've done is almost like, like you said, how a radioactive material sort of just keeps falling down the periodic table. It gets simpler in a way. Mm-hmm. We've taken this very radioactive if from Guy and, and kind of brought it down and brought it down. And we brought it down to basically, it sounds like, am I correct? What the if? Everything just stayed put in the nucleus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Particles, nuclear particles, mm-hmm. meaning literally from the nucleus of atoms, especially the really, really, really big atoms. They just don't go rogue. Yep, they that's a good put. way to think about it. Yeah. So what does our universe look like now? Sounds so, like a great place. Sounds like... Calm. That's right. It's not so bad. That's right. So I said no more nuclear bombs. Um, we can, because nuclear bombs take advantage of those rogue nuclei to, to liberate a whole lot of energy really fast. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. Um, I should say no nuclear bomb has been detonated in anger since 1945. There have been nuclear tests, of course. Right. So you might say that the world is kind of a safer place because we can no longer annihilate cities in one go. So that's right. probably positive, depending on your point of view of cities. Um but nuclear reactors work on the same principle. So as Guy says, Indian Point nuclear power plant supplies something like a quarter or a third of the power of New York City. Um, so now it is just a fancy building that has some ugly metal sitting at the center of it um, and doesn't do anything right. useful at all anymore. And sort of sort of a reverse Chernobyl in a way, which is a lot yes, better. That's right. Definitely yes. reverse is better. But yep. it just it just cools. It just just it just hangs out. Yeah, no biggie. Um yeah. uh, so one way to think about that is no more Chernobyls or no more Fukushima's, right? That's nice. Uh, that's got to be good. Um, right. the, the flip side of that, though, is now we need a whole bunch of coal and gas burning nuclear power, or coal and uh, gas burning power right. plants to replace those. Um, so that's a lot. So that's not going to be good for, say, uh, climate change, right? Because now we have to use fossil fuels to fill that gap. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so. Whether the going to get really huge. Well, that's right, because you need... um, So, for instance, um, Indian Point Power Plant puts out gigawatts of power. Um, Mm -hmm. That's billions of watts of power. Um, A wind farm puts out megawatts, which is Mm -hmm. millions of watts. So you need thousands of wind farms to make up for um, one nuclear power plant. Right. So that's that's a lot of wind farms, but you might say that's a worthy investment, right? Um, right. And we'd also need, I should say, thousands of um, coal burning plants to do that as well. So right. whether that's a net benefit or uh, or harm to the environment is actually not at all clear, um, because whether or not nuclear power is good or bad for the environment in the long term is actually a, a radically uncertain thing 
um, right. because it's not pumping, it's zero greenhouse emissions, but then every now and then you get a Chernobyl. Um, now, what about so, so solar power though? Is the sun still working? Well, so this turns out to be a complicated thing. Um, right. We're not messing with light anymore, but it oh, turns out that you're the, light. <laughs> the sun runs on nuclear reactions, specifically on fusion reactions, which is different than the fission reactions we get at Indian Point Power Plant. But nonetheless, the sun is a gigantic nuclear reactor. So if we are now making nuclei so stable that they can't do those radioactive reactions anymore, then we've essentially stopped fusion reactions and the sun is no longer hot. Um, and it turns out that the sun being hot is pretty important for us. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> but right. no, the, if the sun is not hot, I just say you're fired. <laughs> I mean, come on. So like if we, if, if, if our, if our, if is something that takes effect suddenly, like we push the stop nuclear reactions button, yeah. Then the sun is hot right now, but it's going to start cooling down pretty quick. Um, and on the scale of astrophysics, pretty quick is millions of years. So the sun will gradually cool off with time. Um, so we've got some time before the sun goes out. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with that time because every star is now going out in right. the universe. Right. Um, but very slowly, the sun would cool down and shrink as well. So right. it'll get redder and dimmer and smaller in the sky um, and gradually go out. And of course, the sun is really the, the source of all of our energy here on Earth. You now, fossil fuels are just trapped solar energy from, from ancient times. So the sun gets cool and small. Um, and eventually that means that the earth gets cool because it's no longer getting any heat from the sun. The plants that depend on the sun for photosynthesis will gradually die. Uh, our civilization that depends on those plants for food and fuel will eventually collapse and die as well. But as I said, this is on the scale of millions of years or at least hundreds of thousands of years. So we, in the fine American tradition, can just pretend everything is fine uh, as our civilization gradually collapses because 100 million miles from here, there are no longer nuclear reactions going on. Um, and of course, there's a lot of sci-fi scenarios that have been built around this sort of gradual going out of the sun. Um, but this actually has an interesting echo back to the beginning of our story, which is that before, say, in the middle of the 19th century, before people knew about things like nuclear reactions and radioactivity, um, people thought that's how the sun worked. The sun was just hot to start with and gradually cooled off with time. So the early estimates of the age of the Earth and the age of the sun were millions of years instead of billions of years because they figured... Um, the sun couldn't have been around for billions of years or it would have already cooled off. So actually, one of the early objections to Darwin's theory of evolution was that the Earth couldn't have been around long enough for evolution to happen. And then the discovery of radioactivity is like, oh, no, we've got all this energy that we didn't know about. We can wow. have a really old Earth now and then we can have a really old sun now. 
So in an important sense, the discovery of radioactivity opens up the time scale of the universe in fantastic ways that no one would have thought of. Now, that reminds me also that the reason the Earth, if I have this, again, if I have this correctly, uh, if I understand this correctly, one, the reason the Earth has a liquid core, um, which is, allows for volcanoes and just the whole uh, geologic, all the active geological processes we have on the Earth, mm-hmm. is because there is uranium, as you mentioned, uranium, there are radioactive materials throughout the Earth itself. That's right. Yeah, so that's what keeps the Earth's core molten. I mean, there's other stuff going on too. Um, right. But this, the particular timescale problem um, uh, of the age of the Earth is solved by radioactivity. Right. But now we've turned, we've hit that button. Mm-hmm. So is the Earth now also cooling? Yep, that's right. So the Earth will start cooling, but again, the time scale is millions of years. So we right. can pretend everything is fine. We can keep watching. We Netflix. do that anyway. Exactly, we, we, right? That's pretty much how we've been acting. Um, but we've doomed the uh, the core of the Earth on a large time scale. Wow. So. And uh, so all the stars are going out. Mm-hmm. Yep, all the planets are cooling. Um, I mean, nuclear reactions are the stuff that makes the universe go for the most part. I mean, there's, there's the weird exceptions like black holes and things. Um, right. But it, like isn't a, just that it, it just isn't just that it, it makes the universe glow. <laughs> it provides right? all the energy. So now, you know, a supernova is a really dull event because um, the, the nuclear reactions that make it exciting are gone. So stars, stars just collapse in a whimper now. No supernova. No, right. They don't explode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And stars don't friction, cook. Right. As things collapse, you would still get friction. Is yeah, that- you'd get friction. That's right. So it would be hot. Wouldn't it? Would not explode in an interesting way. Um, right. And I should say another side effect here is that the as the fusion reactions inside stars go. What that what happens is that's the building up of the periodic table. You know, radioactivity was going down the periodic table. This is going up the periodic table. Hydrogen turns into helium. Helium turns into oxygen. Oxygen turns into um, uh, iron. Iron turns into lead, and so on. So all of the anything heavier than hydrogen in the universe um, comes from fusion reactions inside stars. So as Carl Sagan used to say. If you want to bake an apple pie, you must first create the universe um, because your apple pie is made of carbon and oxygen and, nit- and nitrogen. Um, yeah. And those elements come from fusion reactions. So if we get rid of nuclear reactions, we don't have any more stuff other than hydrogen. So right. the universe is a really dull place. And Carl Sagan um, also said we are made of star stuff. We are star stuff. And that's we what he means is the, yeah. the, the carbon that you are made of uh, right now was cooked inside a, a long dead star. Yeah. So yeah. if those stars are no longer cooking carbon, then there are no more future people. Right. So, and, that, and, and I feel like this is a point that's, that's always worth emphasizing the importance of it. Like those of you who know this, then you're like, yeah, I knew that. But those of you who are, maybe you've heard it before and sort of went in one ear and out the other the when we say the periodic table well who cares so the periodic table is this thing on the wall in chemistry <laughs> class but really what we mean is that uh you can think of hydrogen that's what blew up the uh, uh hindenburg yes so 
Mm-hmm. So we got that. There's plenty of that. Imagine if, but if that's, so that's a gas. That is all that existed. That is just simply, basically, right? One proton and one electron. Yeah. Uh, the simplest kind of atom. And everything else. Everything else in- was cooked inside a star. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else, like without those, you look up at the sky and you see those stars. I don't know. See, I don't know how many. I, I'm. It's reinforcing me, reminding me to make this connection. Mm-hmm. When you look up at the sky and you see all those stars, they created everything that we have. Everything that is around you. Everything you are touching right now was cooked inside a star. At some That's point. like mind-boggling. And the the death of that star made it possible for right. you and the star to had be die. So it's not that. When you look up at the sky, it's not like, oh, those things are spewing out uh, materials, you know, the well, here's no, some. No, that uh, star had to explode or disintegrate or get ripped apart. And then the ashes of that star eventually accumulate in what will become our planet. And then our planet becomes us. Right? So it's the ultimate recycling program. Yeah. So the star is making, as it dies, uh, as it lives, and then eventually it causes its death, but it starts creating b- bigger and bigger m- materials that are made up of bigger and bigger atoms, right? Yeah. So all these different kinds of things. And then eventually, if that star were to just collapse and not do anything, it would keep all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that's right. So it's got to, there's got to be some way for it to get out into the universe. Yeah. Um, they, and well, astrophysicists spend a lot of time figuring out those processes. That that's a, it's, a, it's really like a treasure box that has to, it explodes. Yeah, that's right. Or, like, a pinata. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's a right. The pinata theory of the universe. So we are, we are star pinata candy. Just, that's right. Um, but by turning off radioactivity, we have shut down the candy factory. Oh, sorry. Right. To say. Not, not just the, not just the pin, you know, not just the pinata won't, spontaneously explode which is <laughs> which is doesn't yeah. actually happen but it makes for an exciting birthday party um but uh the stuff isn't even being made yep there is no more candy sorry so you have these hydrogen um balls mm-hmm. and they just does the star even live does, do things well come to- no i mean it's in in the, the in, in the important yeah. sense the star never comes to exist because without the nuclear reactions it doesn't do anything interesting it's just a big lump of hydrogen sitting there right so so had there never been um radioactivity then the big bang we don't know what caused the big bang so we don't know if but if the big bang had happened you still would have just become a big ball of hydrogen just a big blob of nothing of uninterestingness, like one of those really fat cats that sits in the bodega and doesn't do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, there may be in the multiverse, there are some universes that are just fat cats mm-hmm. sitting around doing nothing. Doing nothing. Wow. Wow. So, um, it is that it's that curse, uh, I suppose, that Chinese curse. We're trying to get in as many cultures as we can here. This <laughs> uh, uh, may you live in interesting times. So yep. yes, you can turn off radiation and you can see some benefits to that. Okay. Some dangerous things are gone, but with that comes the whole, so you, you, gotta, you gotta take the good with the bad, yep. the bad with the good. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so what, what does that leave you? What's the sort of moral of that? Uh, the moral of that is that um, the fundamental things that make the universe go are these tiny invisible processes that we didn't even know existed until 150 years ago. Um, 150, right. 150 yeah. years ago, right. just a this few years ago, right? And that yep. we barely understand, right? We, that we can, we can only use in the crudest ways. Um, uh, and that there's still this enormous amount to learn uh, about the fundamental processes of the universe, right? We, we are the 150th descendant of these part of these basic processes way, way down. Um, uh, and we don't even know it, right? We could, if it, if it hadn't been for, um, Röntgen messing around, uh, in his kitchen with these cathode ray tubes, we would not have the slightest sense of the true forces that make the universe go. So Mrs. Röntgen, when she held up her hand and played her part in the experiment, was one of the first to feel the advancement of our knowledge. That's right. Literally. She didn't have the answer mm -hmm. just then, but yes, she literally felt, wait a second, there's something. <laughs> there's something important happen. going on here. Yeah. Pretty, well, that's a great, but excellent. That's beautiful, beautifully put. Guy! From Queens, some guy from Queens. Hey, forget about it. <laughs> Thank you for your fantastic if man. This is one of the densest, uh, or in, in terms of hydrogen, the lightest ideas. <laughs> we have ever explored so thank you for that that's fantastic if you would like to send in your own ideas you too can be ifed you can cause random music to play at random times and even yeah. stop at random times it's just a good uh, trick it's a good trick uh what the if dot com right there on the front page little box there you can type in you can type in whatever you want honestly you can type in random letters mm, that's right be yeah. I, I will take time trying to figure out if that's a code or just weirdness but uh you can also submit coherent messages um <laughs> you nice change of pace yeah. uh, change of pace occasionally oh, by the way i have gotten offers uh, apparently if i hold uh, 15 million dollars for somebody um i might oh, nice. get to keep it but it's oh. very strange but uh, in general what the if yeah what the if i got money from uh, nigeria strangely enough um send in your ideas or just thoughts or comments or whatever what did what did this make what was the moral of the story for you i'd love to mm -hmm. know yeah i would um, be interested here and we also look we just i just love to know what if if you don't say anything we don't know you're out there right um, and and i i we we just love knowing who who you are we don't know you exist so claim your existence um in the universe by going to whattheif.com. Also, you're listening on a podcast app of some kind, uh, or possibly even the web. However you're doing it, there's a way for you to leave a review. Um, you may have even found us because of uh, all the wonderful people, wonderful people who've left really wonderful reviews and uh, five stars, almost all five stars, incredible, um, about our show on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are. So if you could do that for us, tell other people about what the if by leaving us a review uh you can also find us on twitter 
uh, what at what the if show and we are also on Facebook we have a page what the if so uh, Matt anything you want to plug uh no because it's not like I can travel around giving lectures or anything so no that's it no lectures sorry trapped at home yeah trapped at home (laughs) and so we end with our ritual and those of you who know about this ritual get ready warm up your vocal cords um get that radiation out of your lungs that wasn't good for you in the first place (laughs) wear it out and let's pour all the power of plutonium to into a good well a good purpose or at least an emotionally therapeutic purpose and what is that matt why do we do this what are we going to do uh, we're horrified uh, at the thought of all the stars in the universe going out, much less what whiffs, what ifs we will encounter next week. Whiffs um, of ifs. Whiffs yeah. of ifs. So this is our moment of existential horror. And we scream, What, what the... Oh.